0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my solo road. This is Sydney. This is my podcast. I am sitting actually next to a campfire. I just started a little campfire. I did look up to make sure I could have a campfire because the world is burning, so I had to make sure that it was okay. The air quality seems perfectly fine here, but only, like, one state over, it's not going well, so I don't know if that's going to affect my travel plans or not. I kind of changed things up. I was supposed to be going to Indiana, I think I said that on last week's episode, but I recently changed my mind to go to Washington, and then after Washington, that's when I'm going to head back to Indiana. I kind of just realized I have a lot of time. I didn't want to get back to Indiana until the end of October, And I just have so much time until the end of October and I don't, I don't want to spend another month in Montana before then spending a few weeks in Wyoming. So, point is, I have a few friends in Washington. I've taken plenty of time for myself uh, these last few weeks and so I'm going to go to Washington, hang out with a few new friends, actually, one of whom is on today's episode. Today I'm going to be talking with Christian Schaefer. She is another solo woman on the road. She does YouTube, she does Instagram. She has a TikTok. Fun fact also, by the way, I have been going live on TikTok every single day. I know. Are we impressed? I really hope so, because that is very out of my comfort zone, but it's been quite fun. But back to Christian Schaefer. So I actually already recorded the episode that you're about to listen to a couple weeks ago, and we talked all about, like, making money on Instagram and, I mean, being a solo female in general, but she kind of took the conversation to this whole, like, talking about brands and knowing your worth as a woman and making sure that you're getting, like, paid adequately as a creator. And, I mean, she's just kind of a wealth of knowledge in terms of, like... The social media world and working with brands and kind of how to leverage yourself and your skills. So we talk all about that. I'm super excited for it. And yeah, let's, we're going to go ahead and get into that. But for my beverage of the day, I don't know what I was drinking when I was actually talking to Christian a couple weeks ago, but right now I am hanging out at the campfire, enjoying a new beverage, and this beverage is actually sponsoring today's episode. So, if you know me well, you know that tequila is, like, my liquor of choice. If I'm going to be drinking a cocktail or, like, a fancy beverage, um, I'm going with tequila. I do not like vodka, I can drink whiskey, but it's not my favorite. Um, I am a tequila girl. I also love Meredith Gray and Christina Yang, and it makes me feel like I'm friends with them when I drink tequila. So, the sponsor for today is Superbird, and it's spelled just like that S U P E R B I R D. But the only ingredients are 100% pure agave tequila, grapefruit juice, agave nectar, and sparkling water, which I obviously love because I love things that don't have like a ton of, you know, like the fillers and like the random stuff in them. So this is like a very natural drink and they're kind of targeting people who live a more adventurous lifestyle and uh, kind of the fact that like it's a delightful cocktail that you can enjoy on the road. Obviously consume responsibly when you are camping or you already know like you're obviously not driving, you're not going anywhere, you're good for the night, you're safe. But yeah, it's honestly delicious and I haven't had a good cocktail in so long because of like COVID. You can't really go out and like get drinks at bars right now. So um, so, yeah, I've been enjoying these a lot and I've been chilling around the campfire drinking a Superbird. So, if you want to get your own, you can just go to superbird.com, but the website is spelled like this listen up S P R B R D. Dot com, and you can use code divine for 10% off. And we will talk more about them next week because they sponsored next week as well. So I'm super grateful for them. And like I said, if you are a tequila person, this is the drink for you. So go try it out. And now let's talk a little bit to Christian Schaefer, solo female on the road, kind of killing it. You guys are going to hear what I mean when I say killing it in just a couple of minutes. All right, everyone, we are back with Christian Schaefer, another solo female on the road. So hello, first of all. How are you? How are we doing? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I love your show. Thank you. Of course. I was actually just thinking this right before we started recording. I was swimming in the lake and I was thinking about how weird it is like because I listen to podcasts all the time. And like the podcasts I listen to, just happen to be like very big podcasts, like my favorite murder. And so then when I tell people I have a podcast, it always takes me aback, and I'm just like, "Is it like a legitimate podcast? Is it like a real like? I don't feel like it's it's legitimate. (laughs) You're like the one podcast (laughs) that I always listen to. So, oh (laughs) Oh, my god, honestly, nothing could make me happier. (laughs) There, I've, I think I've said this on here before, but there was one time, well, now it's been a couple of times, but it was the first time that, like, jolted me, where somebody came up to me at a gathering, and they were like, your voice sounds so familiar, and I was like, oh, I was like, maybe you might follow me on Instagram or something. She goes, do you have a podcast? I don't have Instagram, and I was like, you listen to my podcast, but you don't follow me on Instagram. <laughs> my heart made me so happy. Okay, introduce yourself. This is all about you. Background how long you've been on the road, how you came about van life, just a little bit about who you are.
1: Okay. So I am an outdoor adventure photographer. I've been living on the road for two plus years. And before that I was working as just a freelance photographer and I was living in Seattle. And before that I was in Monterey, California. And before that I actually worked in the corporate world. And I did that. I guess since 2011, but I was working with Abercrombie and Fitch for eight years. So I had a whole corporate background that I came from. And uh, let's see, moving it back a little bit further into the past, like I was born in Arkansas. I grew up in the Midwest, just like you. And then I went out to school in Hawaii. And it's from there that I started my career with Abercrombie. And that was cool. Like it took me all over the place, took me to Colorado, Cincinnati. Yeah. And then it took me overseas and that's where I worked In Italy and also the UK, as an international general manager for Abercrombie. So it's kind of a mixed bag of how I got here, but not.
0: Growing up, did you, you didn't travel until you had that job?
1: No, actually, so my mom worked for the airlines. And so I did my first solo unaccompanied trip when I was eight years old. And I've kind of been traveling like all the time. And also like when I was younger, my mom moved around a lot. So I have been traveling pretty much my whole life, I would say. And I've also, I took a year after my corporate career to just backpack for a year. So I've been to like 36 countries. I've lived in five. So I've done quite a bit of traveling.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so how did you discover van life? So I had
1: actually never really heard of it. And then I was living in Monterey, California, around Big Sur area. And a friend of mine who's also an outdoor photographer, he had a van and he had an event. He had his van kind of like retired, parked outside of his studio. And uh, my boyfriend and I at the time went down there for an event and he was like, oh, you can just sleep in the van afterwards. And I don't know, like that experience just kind of opened my mind to the fact that I could totally do this. I could live in a van and You know, wake up to beautiful vistas and whatever. So that kind of sparked my interest. And then Uh from there, I just started following people on Instagram. And then a few of my friends started buying vans. Um, My friend Quinn bought a van. I met up with him in Yosemite and he like made pancakes while it was snowing outside. And I was like, this is pretty much the life. Like, (laughs) I really want this for myself someday. So.
0: Yeah. So, how did you kind of turn that into a reality? Did you just start saving your money looking for vans and kind of doing like that standard thing? So, what led me to van life in terms of,
1: I I don't know, I guess I knew that I was interested in a van, but I didn't know if I could really do it. So, I decided to live in my SUV for a summer up in Washington because I'm practically just backcountry trekking and camping out in the mountains like all summer long anyway. So it was actually really inconvenient to drive back to my apartment all the time. So I just threw a mattress in the back of my SUV and did that for three months. And at the end of three months, I was like, oh, this is actually not hard at all. So I decided to send it south to California. And from there, I just kept going. And all of a sudden, it had been a whole year in my SUV. And I was like, "Okay, I think if I'm going to live in a van, it's time for me to like maybe take those next steps because I actually really love living on the road and SUV is not super practical (laughs) for long term it's great though it does have its pros but
0: yeah did you live in a house in between your suv and your van or did you go straight from one to the other
1: i just went straight from one to the other so i still had my suv while the van was being built and then i sold it right before it was ready
0: Okay, so what was the biggest difference in doing that transition? I mean, aside from having, like, the obvious extra space, was it just comfort of knowing, like, you kind of have a bit of a home? Like, I feel like car camping, you feel like you're car camping, but when you live in a van, you feel like you kind of have a home. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's been the biggest difference is when I step into my van after coming back from a trailhead, I actually... Feel like I'm stepping back into my apartment and that's how I had it designed is it's basically like all the color schemes and just the backsplash and and cabinetry everything is kind of a smaller version of what my old two bedroom apartment used to look like in Issaquah. So there's that aspect also like space to work is super important because, you know, I spend so much time on my computer editing and stuff and doing that in the back of an SUV was like really bad for my posture. So sure. there's that <laughs> yeah. and I would say that the most the biggest improvement by far was just having a toilet. Like, that was life-changing. <laughs> Ooh, do you have a nature's head? I don't. I mean, honestly, I can only go number one, but it's still life-changing.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. A portable toilet? Well, okay, well, I so I made a huge mistake. So I quarantined with my friend outside of Joshua Tree for a couple months probably like March April maybe beginning of May something I don't know it was for a while and after quarantine and when I set off to go back by myself and kind of do my thing I threw my toilet away because I was like you're just gonna buy a new one you've been now using this every single day for the last several months which I didn't always do and so I threw it away and no, I didn't know that they are like back ordered and literally you oh, oh you cannot find that toilet you will not find a portable toilet anywhere that you can not on Amazon. They're typically because I've I've probably changed toilets two or three times. I've been on the road for like three years. So every so often you gotta change a portable toilet. They're like 75 bucks. And so I usually just walk into Walmart, go to the RV section, and there's, like, a Thetford portable toilet sitting on the shelf, and I buy it. Well, not anymore. They Walmart doesn't even have them on the website anymore, like, not even out of stock. Like, it just doesn't exist. Not on Amazon, not at any... I've called every Camping World. They're always like, no, that's on backorder for a while. I'm like, okay, great. So now I just have no toilet. Now I just exclusively have to pee outside. <laughs> yeah, so... That's what we're doing these days. It's super great. But you're right. Having a toilet does make a big difference because right now, I mean, I am, like, I have to pee in the middle of the night. Like, that's just who I am. And so, yeah. And so having a toilet is, it's a must. And now I'm just, like, kind of screwed. But it is what it is. I'll live with my decisions until I can do better. Okay. So you have opened up a little bit about on your Instagram growing up with not a lot of money. And I, by the way, everyone, I did ask her before asking this. I always feel like somebody listening to this is like, how dare she? I ask permission to talk about anything. Do you think that growing up that way, you moved around a little bit. You've talked about the types of living circumstances that you had. Do you think already kind of being preconditioned with a minimalist lifestyle made the transition to car camping and van life and all of that a bit easier? You were already a little bit familiarized with the idea of it, of not having a ton of stuff, of not relying on material things. That's where I'm going with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point to bring up. And to be honest, I hadn't really thought about it in that way. Yeah, I grew up really poor, so just a little bit of backstory for those who haven't read that caption. My mom had me when she was 16. And we kind of set off on our own and lived in a car for a little while. And from there, like we ended up in Wisconsin, she was selling books door to door. And I just, you know, I just grew up without money. For me, it was always just kind of a grand adventure. You know, like she always made it really fun for me when we were in a car. I remember I have really positive memories of that. But you know, I'm sure it was really hard on her. And middle school, high school, we were always on food stamps and whatnot. So I just didn't become very attached to those material things. I mean, I always saw them. I saw my friends with them and I wish I had them myself, but I guess I just, I learned to live without them. And so that kind of carried over into my next big life move. When I went to college on Hawaii by myself, I just decided to sell everything I owned in a rummage sale, like literally everything except for four boxes so that I could afford my own tuition and everything. And I just set off to Hawaii with nothing but four cardboard boxes of belongings. And they weren't even worth anything. I mean, it was like this, the dumbest stuff that I took with me. That happened then. And then it happened again when I left Hawaii. I moved back to the mainland with my company. And I basically left everything with my friends and only took a couple suitcases. And then again, when I transitioned to the international team with Abercrombie & Fitch, I literally only took two boxes to Italy. So I guess it's been a reoccurring theme throughout my My life. Yeah, it's just this idea about minimalism and letting things go and making space for new things and people and experiences.
0: Yeah experience. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like a great way of, because I I mean, I completely understand why a person growing up that way, you could go one of two ways because you don't have, you could work your whole life to have, you know what I mean? Like I didn't get to have these things as a child, so I'm going to work my life and have all the material things that I ever dreamed of and wanted. Or you can kind of do what you want and just like, or do what you did and take it for what it was and just kind of have that mentality for your entire life, which I feel like as an adult right now, it's probably a pretty, although, I mean, it's an unfortunate thing as a kid growing up and then becoming an adult like it's kind of I I, th- I think a healthy way of looking at things you know what I mean like I love the fact that I don't care about material crap like I love the thing like that I'm never working towards a purse or shoes or anything that I don't have room for like I don't have room yeah. you know what I mean like I don't even have the space for it so it, it can't even be a thought in my head so yeah but then the second thing about that that that's like one of my favorite captions of yours and I always just really appreciate people who open up like that on Instagram because because they, you really only, like, you post a lot of this beautiful photography and learning about a person behind whatever they're sharing. Like, I can appreciate a good photo, but I also love learning about the person who is, like, it's, it's your account. You know what I mean? So, like, I want to know about you. And the other thing that I liked about that was that you mentioned the word trust funds, and I my audience is well, they, they're well aware of how I feel about that particular insult (laughs) because it is asinine. Like, I just, I understand that some people, I know, like, when I made a story on Instagram about this, I got a lot of people saying, in Texas specifically, I know people with trust funds. Trust funds are a thing. But I have been to gatherings where there are hundreds of people. I have been... You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty involved in the van life world, and I, for one, have never met a single person on the road who is not hustling their ass off and is, like, a trust fund baby. And so when I hear right. those words, I'm like, you're not even just assuming that I'm coming from, like, a wealthy family, which I'm not. But, like, that's one assumption. The But you're going in the such an extremist where it's, like, a trust fund. Like, who on earth has a trust fund? It just, it makes... I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm from Indiana, but nobody in Indiana is having trust funds. That's. I mean, none of my friends in my. If I would have walked in my high school and been like, "Guys, I have a trust fund," everybody would be like, "What's that?" You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so, like, do you get that assumption a lot as well? I think as women doing it and we both have nice vans and I'm fully I'm aware enough to recognize our privilege as like white, blonde, well, I claim to be blonde still. I really don't know why. I definitely have brown hair. But you know what I mean? Women on the road in nice vans. That is type like there's a lot of privilege in that, but that just doesn't necessarily mean that our parents happen to have funded the van itself and what we're doing. Does that make sense?
1: No, it's a very important subject. I get hit with that a lot. Less so on Instagram because well I don't know. I just feel like people are nicer on Instagram. But on YouTube, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like I I honestly cannot tell you how many people left just like horrific comments on my YouTube van tour. But they're not all horrific. Some of them like they genuinely believe that there's no possible way for a woman to do this on their own. There's no possible way that I actually have a job. And that I actually earned all of this, like it's just beyond their comprehension, and that to me is just like the craziest thing. (laughs) Like it's one thing to make an assumption; it's another thing to not like even be exposed to that in your lifetime, where you just think, "Oh, she couldn't have done that without a man."
0: Yeah, they don't. They literally don't even consider it. People, I like recently starting TikTok. Everyone is always like, "Okay, but how do you pay for this?" And I'm like, "It's you. You're not even asking me. So how do you earn a remote income? How do you make money while traveling?" Instead, they're like, "Well, so how do you how do you pay for it?" Like, who are you sleeping with? What are you doing for right. this money? And I'm just like, the, it, it is 2020. I understand that a remote income is new. It's technology-based, so you have to be able to afford technology. I completely understand these things, but, like, it is, if you're on TikTok, you do have a smartphone or some way of typing this comment, and so you can't be that ignorant to the idea that people could be making money online and to just completely you know what I mean it's almost like I've always viewed it as giving yourself an excuse as to why you're not doing it like you look at it and it's easier to say well they must have something that I don't have and that's why they get to do it and I'll never get to do it you know what I mean exactly. and exactly. so it's kind of it's like once you use. it's a defense mechanism Yeah, because there's no way that people just don't have any idea that you can make money online. And it's also frustrating because like you can work, I'll have like a 10 hour work day and then somebody writes on TikTok, well, it must be super nice to have rich parents. And I'm like, so help me God, I'm in tears right now. I work such a long day, like staring at my laptop. I have a pounding headache. I feel sick to my, like, you know what I mean? I haven't done anything today. I have to go walk my dog. Like, you know all like you're just exhausted from a work day and then someone hits you with a comment like that and you're just like oh, okay here we go like love a good assumption i don't know that's a rant that i could do probably an entire episode on uh youtube is like the cruelest though instagram is nice because typically you'll you'll get a couple comments here and there but like if they don't like you, they just don't follow you, you know? And like your followers, they like you and they kind of would like to hear more from you. Whereas YouTube, anybody's going to watch the video and then they just, they want to uh, just annihilate you and your confidence. (laughs) Like all your mental health, it's destroyed. That's their goal.
1: Yeah. It's pretty intense. It's actually really infuriating. And I would consider myself pretty introverted. And it's honestly the only reason that I've even stepped over onto the YouTube platform is to share this way of life is simply because I want people to know that it is possible for a girl to do it by herself. Just, Mm -hmm. I think it's a really important message to put out there and to show by example.
0: Yeah. So, um, along with that, I would love to, I wasn't going to talk about this till later, but just because you say that, and I love it, what do you, because safety, I think is the, aside from money, I think safety is the, one of the top issues people have when it comes to van life. How are you doing it? Even if you are a male or in a, in a partnership and you're not alone, like whatever the case may be, women tend to do, like have this, I don't know, thing where like it's, seen as so much more dangerous. And I understand women are seen as more vulnerable, which we need to be more careful. I feel like I'm not speaking eloquently at all. But what I'm saying is we all need to have safety precautions. Yes, as a solo woman, we need to have a little bit more. But I always feel like everything I do in terms of safety, I would recommend to literally... Everyone, you know what I mean? So, what do you do? What do you do for safety? Everybody knows kind of what I do, I think, at this point. If you're parking in the middle of nowhere, what is kind of your routine or things that you may put into place?
1: I think that's a really, really good topic. I get that question all the time. And actually, I just recorded kind of a draft for YouTube on that whole topic. So, I mm-hmm. think just to start, like going off of what you said, I 100% agree whether you're a guy or a girl. There's no reason why you can't level playing field in some way. Weapons. Obviously, there's like so many weapon options, but not only just having weapons, but knowing how to use them, playing through different scenarios. And I also think the other really important thing is presence of mind. You know, like when you show up to a place, how you're presenting yourself, how much you're kind of advertising that you're a solo female can really work to your disadvantage if you're in a populated area. I think if you're out in the middle of nowhere, just do your thing, live your life, you know? But like when you're in an urban place, for me personally, that's when I feel the most vulnerable is when I'm surrounded by people and it's it's funny because the majority of questions that come in are like oh my god how can you be out in the middle of nowhere doesn't that feel unsafe and I'm like no actually that's where I feel safe I start to feel uneasy when I come back into the cities but yeah there's so many things and you've you've touched upon a lot of these points but like putting up privacy curtains locking the doors you know like when you go out of the van go out of the driver's side. So many different things. I I share my Google location with my mom. So she always knows where I am. Sometimes when I haven't moved in a few days, she'll check in and we also share a password so she can verify that it's me. When I'm in an unfamiliar place and I feel like someone's paying a little too much attention to me, like if I'm like in a grocery store and I'm going out to my vehicle, then, you know, like I won't associate myself with my vehicle if I feel like someone's just kind of like loitering or something. Yeah, there's so many different things that you can do to just protect yourself as a female or just a traveler in general.
0: Yeah, I think awareness is probably the number one thing. And I I talked about this, I think like a couple episodes ago, something like, I don't realize how on guard I am. And I don't feel tense. But when I walk into my parents house in Indiana, I always have this like, like, they, they make fun of me because I'll sleep for like 12 hours. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, there's some level of like, guardedness that I can finally just completely, you know what I mean? Like, let go. And I'm not the only one watching out for myself. And I know I'm safe in that house. And so I I just think developing that, like, awareness, always being a little on guard, knowing your surroundings. Like you said, paying, I always pay attention. I'm never on my phone when I'm, like, grocery shopping and stuff. I always am paying attention to who is paying attention to me. Because that is one of my biggest fears is not even, I mean, I am I would hate if somebody broke into my van, but I think that's so much less likely than when I'm, like, getting into my car, putting my groceries away, or something like that, and somebody, like, sneaking into the passenger side, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that stuff happens all the time. I see it online all the time, where someone is just watching you walk to your car, and then they just, like, swoop in and shove you into the car and take off terrifying. Oh my terrifying. gosh, on that note, I think that we should do like
1: a little PSA to people who are interested in seeing our vans or or you know, they're just genuinely harmless and just curious, please do not approach us at night in the middle of a dark parking lot when we have an armload of groceries, like <laughs> we're already going to be super guarded and potentially very unfriendly if you do that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Or like there's been people who I've seen like I'll slide my all I do open my sliding door sometimes in parking lots only if it's busy and I am not sleeping there obviously. I wouldn't do that if I was sleeping there, but like sometimes I'll open up the sliding door and like a grown man, like a 50-year-old man who like I only say the age because like you're older than I am, they clearly start looking and then they want to like see the van. They'll ask if they could like check it out and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, "Uh yes, okay, that's fine." But then they give me a weird look when I get out of my van. Like, I will leave my van. If they, if you try to step inside of the van, like, I'm not gonna be in my van with you, sir. Or even a woman, for that matter. Like, anytime someone steps inside, like, my ass is going outside with my dogs. And People kind of always think that that's strange Even at gatherings, sometimes When there's t- a ton of people around I'm just It feels so weird to like be in your house I understand that this is a new It's a new lifestyle And it's interesting And it's fun And you see somebody open their sliding door And you're not expecting that But imagine every time you opened your front door to your house Somebody was like Can I see inside? I'd love to see inside It looks like it'd be beautiful in there You know what I mean? And so it's like every time we open our door, we are exposing ourselves to someone who could potentially just be like, can I see inside your house? I know you might have electronics and dogs and like valuables in there, but I'd love to see it. And so it's like, yeah, I could choose to be slightly rude every time. And I definitely do if I get bad vibes. But sometimes I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, it's messy. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? That's another thing. I'm like, I feel like I have to clean all the time because some stranger somewhere is going to want to see inside, which that's probably not the worst thing in the world, you know, have a little pressure to keep clean. Okay, we can, we can end rant here and move along to, I know that you, you do free camping sometimes and I've seen you recently stay at a campground. I would love to know about that experience. I think it'd be easier without dogs. Having dogs at campground is like my worst nightmare, but what is your favorite app or website to find camping?
1: I typically use freecampsites.net and the app iOverlander. I find that those are super helpful, but then just generally speaking, I try to stay on BLM land, Bureau of Land Management, also National forests. I'll stay at the occasional Walmart parking lot if it's allowed. Also casinos, rest stops. But for me personally, and the kind of work that I do, it makes the most sense for me to be kind of off the grid in the wild spaces. you know.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Did you do the same thing when you were car camping? Like BLM public yeah. land?
1: Yeah. Even more so because with my 4x4, I could go up all kinds of mountain roads and forest roads and I could get to all those hard to get spaces if anything I would say that's the one thing I miss the most about the SUV is just like I don't have four-wheel drive but even if I did I'm not sure I would go down the same crazy roads that I went down with my SUV just because of the build and all the stuff in here but yeah I use the same resources then
0: also, to touch on that, because I, I know you recently stayed at a campground and you posted something about showering. How has COVID, definitely showers, I know, how has COVID affected how you travel in a van? You kind of hit the road. When did you move into your van? Let's see, July 2019. So about a year ago. Okay, so you were on the road for a bit before COVID hit. For some reason, I was thinking it was a little bit later. But yeah, how has that affected how you have been able to travel and do anything? Did you have to trade, like change travel plans or do anything? yeah. Yeah. Well, so
1: I guess I've been on the road since May, 2018. And so I've kind of gotten used to some places where you go and it kind of feels like home, you know, where to go work at the cafe, you know, what libraries are open, you know, where to shower, all those things. And that all went out the window with COVID. I was actually working with a tourism board when everything kind of fell apart and the stay at home orders went into effect. So that was super awkward because that's a huge portion of my income is just promoting places to go travel and kind of like, well, I had a house sitting deal lined up and then that fell through because the house sitting owner came back from Costa Rica since she realized she'd probably be stuck there for a while if she didn't. So that kind of altered plans last minute as well. I tried living on the road for a short time and it was just like pretty drastic with everything being closed, even like the B- BLM land and national forests were closed as well. So there- it was honestly pretty hard to find some places. I know you did. And I was following your story really closely because I was like, damn, she's still doing it. That's awesome.
0: I know. I don't know how we got so lucky. We just, I we, i was in San Diego and I just went to the nearest BLM. I did not know that BLM was going to start closing down or anything. And so I just went to the nearest BLM, and it was close to, like, a city-ish, and so I felt comfortable, like, going into the grocery stores and doing stuff whenever we had to. And so then a few of my friends joined me for the entire time, and every day, the park rangers, or not, not park rangers, but, like, rangers of BLM, whatever, would drive by, and we would, like, be like, is this today? Is today going to be the day they tell us that we have to go, finally? And Oh my god. I know, but, I mean, they never did, and we kind of talked to them here and there, and they just... I think they were more comfortable with us being there, staying there, being out of the way. Like, I kind of got a little bit of flack for continuing being on the road and traveling. Well, quote-unquote traveling. I was staying in one place. But to me, it felt like the safest option for me and everyone else. Like... I wasn't going to drive throughs I wasn't getting coffees or getting groceries a couple times a week just to get out. Like, we were far enough away that we would make very scheduled trips going into town very, very rarely. And so, yeah, that just felt like the safest option for us. When when it was, like, at its height, which I know COVID is still a thing. I'm not trying to imply it's not. Someone's going to come for me. But... When it what when quarantining was at its height, what were you doing then? You said the house sitting thing fell through. So what did you end up doing?
1: Yeah, so I was doing the tourism gig with my friend Nathaniel Wise and we just decided to print or to split an Airbnb. So we got a place on the southern coast of Oregon. We did a ton of research to make sure trails were still open around there just so we could still get outside and create content and everything. And we got this really cool Airbnb and then like the week we got there, everything shut down. So (laughs) we were there for a month and then we debated doing it again. We decided to go a little north to Portland. We rented an Airbnb for another month. And then after that, we were like, surely things will start opening up again. We noticed that a few campgrounds had opened and as long as, you know, there were showers available, we were good to go. So I hit the road again on, I guess... June 1st. Yeah. And I've just been out here ever since.
0: Nice. Okay. So you've kind of mentioned a couple times when you say I'm an outdoor adventure photographer, there are a lot of people who would love to be photographers, to do freelance stuff. Is there any, first of all, what do you mean by outdoor adventure photographer? I would love like a little bit more details on that. And then... You said, I I guess just advice to somebody who's trying to make money doing something similar. Like I know you connect with tourism boards because of your photography and videos and stuff like that. What advice would you give to someone who is trying to work with tourism boards and do photography full time on the road and kind of get into that world?
1: Yeah, so as a adventure travel photographer, I work with brands on commercial projects like product launches and social content or image assets. And it's typically like outdoor gear and apparel, luxury, tech, also tourism boards like we talked about. And let's see, in terms of advice, I would have to say the biggest thing that has helped me... Kind of break into this industry has just been networking, like network, network, network. Every opportunity I had to meet with someone who was more talented than me, more connected than, than me and like just was getting out there and going on adventures. I took those opportunities and I met so many amazing people. And honestly, that's where the bulk of my jobs and long-term clients have come through is just referrals from other fellow creatives. So I would say network. Get on Instagram, get on the socials, and create content constantly, obviously, because practice, practice is what will get you there and help you really hone in on your craft.
0: Okay, so you mentioned Instagram. Is that, like, a primary way of you... When you say network, like, I, I think of my myself as when I was a beginner. Like, now when someone's like, network, I know what that means. But when I was a beginner, I... like the premise, if I had to define networking at the beginning, I knew what it meant. But what What do you mean by networking? How did you do it? Are you talking like DMing people who are in the same state as you being like, let's go for a hike together? You know, like, what, what do you mean by network?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, It could be defined in a lot of ways. I think for me personally, how I went down that road was like, yeah, sending DMs, but mostly just engaging on the content of creators that I really respected and admired and wanted to be like and building relationships with them over time. And then living in Big Sur was really helpful as well because when a lot of creators, content creators would come through that area, I'd just be like, hey, I'll show you around. Or like, hey, do you need a place to stay? And that really helped me build community. And I just did some long long road trips with some really awesome creators and learned from them. And yeah, it just kind of snowballs from there. You just have to really put in the effort in the beginning and be persistent because a lot of creators have just like so many messages coming at them all the time and they might miss your first, your second, your third message, but they always notice if you're constantly supporting their work online You know, like even if you only know them by your username, if you were to run into them at some point and be like, hey, I'm so and so from Instagram, I'd be like, oh, my God, I know exactly who you are. Like, so I just think that that's one avenue to really kind of increase your exposure and build your network is through social media.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's it's very true. That's how. That's exactly what I have done a lot as well. Especially when it comes to living in a van, there is a very tight knit community. Like we know each other, and I was very intimidated. I just want everyone to know Christian is pounding this glass of wine.
1: <laughs> no, but that. it's three
0: fourths Lacroix. That's a, it's a splash of wine. I'm honestly totally kidding. Are you kidding? There's been a couple episodes here where I've definitely been a few glasses deep. Not today. I told you I I ran out of wine. Otherwise I would be having my, I would have a fat glass in my hand right now. Okay. What was that? Oh, the community. Of course you just took like that last sip. And I was like, yes, finish that glass. Okay. So yeah, the community is very tight knit. So I think anybody also it's, it's hashtag van life, but if anybody in a car or tent or anything like It really is more of like a camping, travel, outdoor community, I feel like. It's not just necessarily vans. At every gathering, there's always people who do not actually live in vans. And I think getting into that community, whether you're going to gatherings, I don't know, like you said, DMing them, just talking to as many people as possible is a fantastic way of making friends. Have you? You have not been to a gathering, right? Not yet. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So have you experienced, I, I always like asking people this because it's, there's always, there's such a wide range of answers. Like there was a gathering, right? I moved on to the, I moved, God, Sydney, English. I hit the road. I hit the road. And about a week later, there was a gathering. So I got lucky and I just made friends at that gathering. But while others have been on the road for, like, a year and they have not been able to really navigate the community whatsoever. Like, they they feel lonely. They feel like there's all this hype around this, like, stupid community that they can't really get into. And I, I did feel that way a little bit in my first van. It wasn't until my second van that I feel like it was pretty easy for me. Do you feel like... I don't know how to ask this. Like, do you feel like the community kind of is supportive of you and other van lifers? Or do you feel like it's a little bit closed off and too tight knit? Does that make sense? Because sometimes people think it's a little bit clicky and there have been gatherings that were very much like a hierarchy dependent on social media. And I'm not, I know you haven't been to a gathering itself, but I guess you're experienced with the van life world in general, because I always like being the introductory person. Like my thing is, if you need a friend in van life, like, come on over. So I like learning how people have kind of felt within that world so far.
1: That's a really interesting question. I'm going to take you (laughs) up on that. Can you introduce me to the van life community? Because yeah, I don't feel like I'm a part of it at all. Like I'm definitely kind of off on my own. I have a community of outdoor adventure photographers and We all like to camp and climb mountains, but I'm kind of like the outlier aside from my friend Quinn who lives in a van. There are some other ones for sure. I feel like in the last year, my friend Elise and and Kyler also got a van, which is really rad. But otherwise, I feel like it's kind of it's a really small percentage of people that I know that actually live in a van.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, then we'll exchange networks. You and I will network. You introduce me to the outdoor photographers of the world. I'll introduce you to all of the van people. Trust me. I'm going as... Here's to hoping COVID is to a point where we can have a gathering in May of next year. I would love for you to come to that gathering. My best friend Katie and I are going to be hosting a gathering. So that would be very fun and a lovely opportunity for you to have your first gathering and meet tons of people. So kind of along with that, I guess community aside, you are a solo woman. And a lot of people ask me if I get lonely or what my what my take on loneliness is. And I do voice a, a pretty hard perspective for myself. Like, I understand a lot of people are not going to have the same experience as I do. However, I am introverted in a lot of ways. I can be social, but I just, when I say introverted, like, I prefer being by myself. I would rather be alone when I need to hang out with friends. I can do that, but I really love I like. I don't get lonely because I love being by myself. So is that something that you experience? Or do you just hang out with friends whenever you need it? Have you found it easy to hang out with friends whenever you need it? Do you get lonely? Do you like being by yourself? Yeah, this (laughs)
1: this is a really great topic. And it's one of the things I love about you is I feel like we kind of connect on that level. And it's kind of rare. I absolutely love being alone. And honestly, I, I need it. Like, In order to do my best creative work, in order to like just be balanced and grounded, I need to have time alone. And it's interesting. I get that question a lot about do you ever get lonely? And to be honest, I feel the most lonely when I'm in a big group of people and I just feel... Like, I'm not connecting with any of them on a deep level. Like, Uh, Yeah,
0: there's nothing lonelier than being an outcast. Like, when you... And then putting yourself in a situation to be an outcast. Like, I guess that's, I think, where our fear comes from. Like, being the way that we are. Like, when you go into a social situation, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to leave with my best friend. Or, like, a new best friend. Or I don't know if I'm going to leave feeling, like, shit about myself. Because I feel, like, so awkward and such an introvert and so outcasted. And there's nothing worse than that feeling. So it's hard to even be willing to risk that toss up, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true. I also, I find that like not even just feeling outcast because people are so friendly and you have conversation and everything, but I just really like shallow conversation is just the bane of my existence. I can't, I can't tolerate it. And it just like is so draining to me. So if we can just jump right into something deep and meaningful that really sparks like intelligent conversation, then I'm all in. But if we're just talking about like, oh, so what have you been up to for the past month? And it's just kind of like an exchange of, you know, pleasantries. Sometimes that can feel really draining. And I just wish that I could be alone and recharge. And I, it's funny because I just feel like, okay, something's wrong with me, but I've learned over time that that's just how I am. And I just have to honor it. And I just have to like give myself time to be alone. And that's what I'm doing right now, actually. And which is interesting because I've been sharing the Airbnb with Nathaniel. And so we kind of got used to being around each other all the time. And he's like an absolutely amazing gem of a human. Like I love hanging out with him. And yet I still need alone time. Like that's just the way I am. So, and I think you can relate.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how I, I, mean, the best part about the most recent friends that I have made since being on the road, that's why I love also meeting, like, single people on the road, because we often are that way. So when I met Henry, we, him and I traveled for, like, two months perfectly together. It was actually probably longer than that, but we went from San Diego up to like, Portland together towards the beginning of our friendship, and there would be random nights where, like, he would just be in his van and I would just be in my van and I would text him and I would be like, yeah, no campfire tonight, dude. No, it's not happening. And he'd be like, thank God. I just want to sit in my van and, like, eat and watch Netflix. And I would just be like, okay. Like, I love... Because I, I'm also a people pleaser, so I don't I don't like offending people. And if he were to text me and be like, let's have a campfire and drink some wine, like, I naturally would just be like, okay, sounds good, when it, I would know better. Like, I would know that I needed to be alone that night, and I'm not always very good at standing up for myself in that way when it comes to people that I love. So having met him, who he would just never challenge, like, he just, him and I are on, like, a very similar wavelength as am Katie and I, and so Katie and I are the exact same way. There have been nights where the three of us caravan together, and we would have nights where we're all in our own vans away from everybody else, but we're, like, six feet away from each other, which is just funny because I, I think a lot, like... Very extroverted people would think that's crazy. Like, when you're hanging out with your friends, you want to sit around and talk at a campfire. And it's like, yeah, but we did that yesterday, and we're probably going to do that yeah. again tomorrow. So tonight just sounds nice to not have to talk or do anything, you know? And, yeah, like you said, the shallow conversation thing. that That is admittedly what a lot of gatherings are like because you meet... 50 to 300 people in one day. And so after gatherings, I usually, it'll be like a weekend long. Some are one day, some are several days, but I will talk to so many people. It's so many pleasantries. It's so many. Yeah, it's been two years. Yep. Okay. I have these two dogs. Yep. Okay. That's shiplap. That's this, that's this. You're like pointing to the exact same things. Every, that's a 110 volt fridge. That's how I make my coffee. And by the end of, like, the 48 hours, I legitimately get in my van, I turn my van on, and I, like, go into the abyss for, like, three weeks. And I'm just like, don't call me, don't text me, I don't even want my friends to contact me because it is... The most draining experience of my entire life Because you also don't want to be rude A lot of people will follow you on Instagram Or like they're excited to come see your van Or meet the dogs and stuff like that And so the whole time I'm just like Hi, hi, hi And I'm I'm being genuine the entire time It's so exciting But then as soon as it's over I like I realize that my energy is at an absolute zero percent So have like, you'll love gatherings. gatherings <laughs> It's like you'll be just like me Can't wait for you to do that
1: it's probably why I've avoided them up until now. So I mentioned that I worked for Abercrombie & Fitch and my job for them was as a IGM. I was supposed to take managers out into like the urban centers of London and right on the tube and teach them how to recruit the shirtless guys that stand up front and the girls that... <laughs> Do you remember that when you would walk in? It's like super peppy, super upbeat. You know, like that was my job was to get everyone super riled up. And like I did interviews. I did all of these super extroverted things. So I know I have it in me. But when I left that job and I felt like such a weight had been lifted off my shoulders, I realized that it was all just I did it because I had to, not because it made me happy. So now I find myself avoiding those situations Pretty often, but I should probably get better at it. (laughs) Find a balance. Yeah, I mean,
0: every time I leave a gathering, I do feel that way, but... I I do want to be clear that it's not, like, a negative feeling at all. I love every minute of it. Like, it is because my energy level is either 0 or 100 during those kinds of days. And so it's, like, all day I'm, like, spinning on 100. And I am just, like, obsessed with the entire experience. And it is as soon as I close my sliding door where I'm just, like, whoa, I, I am dying. But that is... Not to bring this up again. I haven't talked about it in a while, but Katie and I's gathering, like, instead of having... We always have, or they always have at different gatherings, like panels and like, lessons to be learned about life on the road and stuff. And so we are trying to cater to, like, introverts and extroverts. Like, if you want to go play beer pong, go play beer pong. If you want to play a board game with your neighbor, like, play a board game with your neighbor. If you want to sit in your van and just be there all weekend, like, do that as well. Because I've never been to a gathering and felt like I could take 15 and just chill in my van. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's hard to close your sliding door because somebody always wants to, like, peek in and chat which is nice. But yeah, you kind of need a break sometimes.
1: But still everyone in this community that I have met, I absolutely love like you already just have so many common denominators, because we all love to travel. We all love that feeling of freedom. And we all have that, you know, mindset of minimalism. And so yeah, I think I would love to come. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah, I would love for you to come. That is true. I, the shallow conversation thing that you were saying earlier, like, because you can't really dig too deep into it at gatherings, that's really the only reason why. But when you come, like, a, a different type of setting where you're just at a campfire, you meet up with, like, two or three other vans and stuff, because you have so many commonalities, it's very easy 10 minutes in to be talking about deep things. Like, I've always loved the fact that, like, it's, it's just such a common question and answer thing, especially, like, I've just met so many people on the road that like 10 minutes afterwards, we're just talking about like how we poop. And it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do in the morning? Like, how do you go? Because we're going to run into this tomorrow morning. And I, I like that because it just like breaks this awkward ice right away that when you get a question like that out of the way, 20 minutes later, you're talking about like how you were raised and your like issues with mental health and like all these struggles. And it gets so much deeper because like you can talk about Like, what other community is talking about ways in which they take a shit in the morning? Like, you know what I mean? And so it's... To get those kinds of conversations out and be so comfortable, I, I think it kind of is the gateway to, like, getting deep pretty quickly. That's, I mean, that's how all of my friendships on the road have developed, at least, is because Katie was like, I'm, like, so deal with depression and anxiety. And I'm like, same. What is, like, what, what is yours like? <laughs> and, like, that was the first time I'd ever met anybody who was willing to talk about it. So I was, like, obsessed with her and just kind of enamored by her personality and, like, willingness to talk about stuff like that. So... Yeah. Now I talk about it all the time, but yeah. Okay. We touched on pretty much everything that I wanted to go over. I I really would like to, the only other thing that I kind of want to touch on a little bit more, I guess, uh, before we wrap up is earning a remote income. Have you ever done anything aside from, I guess I'm just, that's one of my most common questions. So that's why I like to, like, dig deep into it to answer the question as much as possible. I mean, I guess, is there anything else that you have done on the road aside from, like, is it is it exclusively your photography working with brands and doing the tourism stuff? And then also, I know, I like, we touched on how to do that and advice that you would give. But I, I just, I like answering this question in as much detail as possible. So there's anything else that you could speak to on that whole topic, like, if... If all if what you do is working with brands and tourism boards that's that's your answer but I guess if there's anything else that you could tell someone coming into this because that is the biggest hindrance for people not doing van life is because they cannot figure out the finances and I always say like you don't need an expensive build you can finance your van you don't need you know a hundred thousand dollars to get started on this so yeah if there's just anything else I know it's like a super open-ended question and probably annoying. But if there's anything else that you could talk about in terms of that, or yeah, just ideas, like ways that you were able to get into it, maybe aside from networking, anything at all to help people that want to do it as well. I don't know. I know that's leaving it quite open to you. So
1: just from an income perspective, I, when I set out on the road to live in my SUV, I had about $30,000 saved up just from prior contracts and stuff. And I decided that I wasn't going to buy my van until I had enough money to pay for everything up front. So that was like around $80,000. So I just kind of set off on a mission to earn that much. And typically where my money comes from is through quarterly contracts with clients that I've built long-term relationships with, like I said, outdoor brands and all of that. And aside from that, I mean, To break that down in a little more detail, that's a combination of like taking photos for them to use on their website, taking photos for product launches, taking photos that you then share to your social media promotion. There's a lot of things that you can do creatively to add value to a company and you can package it up and send it to them. And they have huge marketing budgets. If you think about how much it would cost for a TV commercial, those are essentially being replaced by people and creatives that can do a little bit of everything. Not only can we create content, but we can also model for the content, we can shoot the content, and then we can push it out on our social media channels. So that has been a huge chunk of my income. Aside from that, image licensing, like photos that I've already taken or that I shoot on spec are are images that companies might come by and ask to use for some sort of project or campaign that might be completely unrelated to what I originally shot it from. And that's a big portion of my income. Also, um, setting up a print shop. I make quite a bit from that as well. And you can do that from the, the road. It's, it's passive income. Trying to think of what else. Oh, and just YouTube. Like, There's YouTube monetization. And I'm very new on YouTube, but I've made a, a decent amount from that as well. So I think the key is having multiple revenue streams and to constantly be innovating and pivoting so that you can be relevant to whatever companies and brands are needing and catering your services to them. Because, I mean, honestly, big brands are the ones with the big budgets and that's how you're going to hit your mark sooner. So that's just my two cents. I don't know.
0: (laughs) No, I think that that's fantastic. Have you ever reached out to a brand and... Like developed a relationship that way Like where you Like either they reached out directly Or you reached out directly Like what I'm saying is Take out the referral of like a friend Who's worked with them Or a connection in some way Have you ever had like Because I've I have emailed I've worked with brands before Like several of them But it's only from a connection Or them emailing me Like would have you ever emailed a company Or contacted them And things worked out Like is that a way that people actually do that?
1: That's a great question. I know a lot of people who have had success with that. And I have personally reached out to a few different brands, but I would say it's, it's a low success rate, mostly because you're putting the ball in their court. And so whatever rates you're asking for, they're already going to be like lowballing you in not every instance, but in some. Whereas if you are approached through a brand and they already have an interest in you, that means, especially if they're an agency representing a brand, then they ha- have been tasked with bringing you on board like pretty much whatever it takes. So just having those conversations with them to see how you can best you know serve that campaign or whatever is really that's going to be the biggest way to connect.
0: And I, I kind of like what you were saying though like fighting for yourself a little bit. They have a budget and so they're it, I have taken what someone has offered me a couple times, but never have I not asked for more. You know, like you should always kind of fight for yourself and negotiate a little bit. Get get what you deserve. Oh,
1: that's a really good topic. I'd love to touch on that a little bit, especially as a female. I can't tell you how many times I talk with other females who have way bigger followings than me and they earn like maybe half of what I'm earning. I learned from working on the corporate side of things, just how big some of those budgets are. And it really pays to do your research and to find out what the marketing budget is of a company that you're either going to, or that approaches you and really outlining how you're adding value and why you're worth it and stick to your guns. Because a lot of times a company has come to me and said, Oh, this is what we need. How much do you charge? I tell them and they go, Whoa, like that's we okay we can't afford that they leave and i'm like okay well if if anything ever changes let me know they come back a month later and they say okay we can afford you now they could afford you all along but they're just playing that long game especially if you're working with an agency so i think as females especially we need to encourage one another to really increase our rates because we definitely like i don't know there's just we're leaving a lot of money on the table cuz they have big budgets so that's that's my little token of advice no
0: yeah I totally agree. There's, there's a lot of people who, um, they're just getting started kind of in the social media world. And I understand that there's a lot to learn. It's very overwhelming, but just because a company reaches out and is willing to pay you, or I'm sorry, uh, is willing to give you free product. Like they're going to give you a hoodie and a hat and a scarf and some shorts. Like that does not mean that you should take it. Like just because someone is offering doesn't mean that you need to be taking it because I see people, not just see them, because you you never know, but I've talked with a lot of people who are still growing their followings and, you know, like I said, learning a lot about social media. And so when someone offers something for free, it's very exciting and they just take them up on that offer and then they do several stories for them and they do an ad for them in their feed. And Although it might not seem like a big deal to a lot of people, that that really is worth money. Like you are doing, you're marketing their products. They are making money from you and you deserve a portion of that money. And so I... It's hard not to get lost, I think, at the beginning of just, like, an exciting free... Like, a brand wants to work with me. They're going to give me some free stuff. When if you say no and you don't take that free stuff, you could potentially negotiate and get money for it. And now that brand does not think that they can just get free marketing. Like, that's really what you're telling brands when you take things for free, is that that's what influencers are worth. And I hate the term influencers. It is super gross, and I didn't really mean to say it just now, but, like... (laughs) content creators, whatever it is you want to say, when you take things for free, I think you're just kind of giving this universal message that like, that's what we're worth. We'll just like dress me head to toe in a brand that I don't even know, nor do I really like it that much, but I'm just going to take it because they offered it. Well, now they're just going to expect anybody with roughly the same analytics as you to just do that for free. And that's just not necessarily fair for everyone. Because some people need to get paid. They have no choice but to get paid. They can't just take free product. Yeah,
1: that's a really good point. And just to add to that, like if you have a company that comes to you and this is pretty common, they'll say like, oh, we're just getting started. We're a startup. And, you know, you want to empathize with that and be like, oh, yeah, I totally understand. I'll do it for a discount. But just think of it from their perspective. If you give them content for a discounted rate when they do have enough revenue to afford someone at a normal rate they're not going to go to you they're going to go to someone who has a higher caliber of work because they're going to think oh now we can afford this person so just keep that in mind like you're kind of setting a precedent for what you're worth if you take those kind of jobs and i get like in the beginning you're just getting started and everything but also remember that you can just take photos on spec and what i mean by that is like Let's say you want to work with Patagonia, you go get Patagonia gear, you pay for it, you shoot it nonstop with your friends, you know, and then you have a whole portfolio of work to show them if they ever come to you. That's what's called spec. And you hope that they might license it from you. And sometimes they do. But as opposed to just like giving a company free marketing, exactly what you said, you're just giving them free work, and you're getting very minimal in return.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I could not agree more. That's something that I actually don't really think that many people talk about because it's kind of an awkward conversation, right? Like you don't ever want to talk about social media payments and like influencer type stuff. It just kind of feels icky. And so I, I, I kind of avoid those conversations sometimes as well. But there is a reality to it in a lot of people entering the van life world. But, I, I mean, this day and age, period, uh, want to do social media. They want to make money from it. And it's a real, like, it is a job. Like, you can make a good income off of social media. So it is very worth people's while. I don't know if that makes sense that way. But you know what I mean. And so, yeah, it's... but more people need to talk about it, I guess, because then I feel like, like you said, as women, we can continue pushing. But when there's no information out there, it's a little bit more difficult to do so. Okay. Love that. I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that because I think it is interesting. And like I said, it I just like answering people's questions. I want this lifestyle to be as accessible as possible to anyone and everyone. Like, even if they can't afford a super nice build, like, you just really, like, you don't need it. You can have an SUV that's even financed if you, if you have to, and throw a mattress in the back and do your thing for a while while building up those portfolios and doing everything that you were just talking about. Like, it's a matter of going back to your caption, having a dream and working really hard at it versus, Just telling everyone that we are trust fund babies (laughs) and that we must just have a trust fund. I wouldn't be mad if I was, but like, sign me up. I didn't... (laughs) Well, that's another thing. I'm always like, I you can't yell at me about having a trust fund, even if I did, which... So help me god. I hope that I hope I do. I hope I turn 30 and my parents are like, "We've been lying to you, girl." Like, here here it is. But like even if I did already have one, you can't hate a person because of it. Like you they leave such mean words and I'm just like, "Okay, you can't disregard me as a person because you think I have money." You know what I mean? Like right. whatever the situation is, whatever. Um you get my point. Okay. Last thing, we always end on a book. What is your favorite book? Why do you like it? Tell us. Okay. So
1: I am torn between saying The Alchemist and Into the Wild because I love them. But I recently read uh, this book called Wind, Sand, and Stars. And I can't pronounce the the writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Antoine saint I totally just butchered that. Anyway, he's a French writer. And I just French love French. it because it's about a pilot from, I think it was like World War One era. And just the way he describes his relationship with the natural landscape as he's flying over it is just like mind blowing. It's just complete poetry. But it also really pulls you in. The whole storytelling aspect is just... It's beautiful. I love it. So
0: that was a great description of it. That did make me want to get it 1000%. Okay, let's tell everyone where they can find you.
1: So Wait. I'm Christian Schaefer on Instagram and YouTube. And my website is Christian dot art. And the spelling of my last name is S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R.
0: Perfect. And That's she does TikTok it. along with me. and tiktok yeah yeah tiktok is honestly just like a fun thing for me now i just kind of like it dude you're killing it on tiktok every time i see your
1: tiktoks i'm like whenever you post a new one, I'm like, oh my God, yes. And I love they're all very relevant. I'm just kind of throwing all kinds of crap up against the wall to see what sticks. But yours are like (laughs) very intentional and very value driven. And I love them. I love watching yours.
0: Thank you. I mean, it's, it's fun because I have, it's like in my head, my brain works in this way of like, I have like 30 topics, right? Like I only have that many. I can't talk about anything else. So I just write all of it down on my blog. I talk about all of it on Instagram. And now I'm just sharing all of those same exact 30 things on TikTok because I do think that there's different audiences that take in content in different ways. So I'm like, however I can get this same information to you, I'm going to just do it because I just want people to know. Okay. Thank you for sitting down and being with me. Yeah. Thank you so I- much for having me and sorry that I drank so
1: much wine.
0: <laughs> Honestly, just to clarify, <laughs> it wasn't a no, I- whole class. <laughs> it's highly preferred. It's definitely a preferred thing. Like I, I, I love it. I rarely do I hang out with my friends and we don't have a glass of wine. Okay. Truly. And just so everybody knows, I mentioned this on my story recently, but this, first of all, this is the first time Christian and I have actually sat down and like talked at all. We're on FaceTime right now uh, recording this, but... Christian is, like, number one hype girl of the century when it comes to, like, you heard her just about the TikTok thing. Like, I love, because that's how Katie was, that's why I love her, but women who support women, and there's no sense of competition, there's no sense of jealousy, there's no sense of anything but support. Like, Christian comments on my photos, you like my photos, you comment on my TikToks, which is, like no one from Instagram's comments. And so every time I see your name pop up on anything, I'm just like, dude, she's so supportive. Like you're just one of those women who like supporting other women. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. Thank you for saying all of that.
1: I just really appreciate everything that you're doing. I think that you have a lot of balls. And I respect that, Sorry. you know, like, not, not only are you out there living your best life, But you're taking the time to document it. You're doing podcasts. You're putting it out on every social media outlet. And I just love it. I think it's really inspiring. So I hope we actually get to meet in real life one of these days. I
0: know. I would love that. (laughs) Roughly, where did you say you were right now? No, I'm in uh,
1: northern Washington right now.
0: Okay yeah, we're nowhere near each other right now, but some someday it's going to happen. We'll have the glass of wine together. Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, please do follow Christian. Like I said, I'll link everything. She has a beautiful van and you have a pro master. So I think that that's also something that's a little bit different than like different than me. So you kind of have a different perspective on that as well. A lot of people love pro masters. Yeah. Better than a sprinter. You know, everyone knows how I feel about sprinters. I think that's everything. Thank you. This was amazing. And I will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you. Alright, and before we officially go for the day, I also have something to say about BetterHelp. I know we have two sponsors today. If you're not a regular listener of the podcast, this does not happen often, so I'm extraordinarily grateful today. If you do not know what BetterHelp is, it is an online counseling platform. It is difficult right now to go to therapy in person, and especially when you're on the road all the time, it's really difficult to get a therapist and stay in one place or find one that you can just do online. Best part about BetterHelp is that it is affordable. You can see the same counselor week after week. You can message whenever you're like in between sessions. You get to talk to them every week on video or on the phone, depending on what you want to do. And yes, I have been seeing my therapist with BetterHelp for, I don't even know how long, for a really long time now. And it has greatly, greatly benefited my life. So I cannot recommend it enough. If you want to join over 1 million people prioritizing their mental health today, go to BetterHelp, that is H-E-L-P, p.com betterhelp.com slash divine and use code divine for 10% off your first month.